We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us for this episode is Istan Beregi. He is the match analyst for Hungarian Football Federation. He writes for Spilaverlung, posts some fantastic content on social media as well. So we brought him on for a webinar on the Modern Soccer Coach to talk about set pieces. And it lasted 90 minutes for his presentation which is now available on modernsoccercoach.com. If you go to latest, you can find the whole presentation there. I would highly recommend you check it out. This aspect is the Q&A section of the presentation. So this is the last 20, 25 minutes of it. And I wanted to put it out there because the presentation is so long, people will probably overlook this aspect. But I think there's some really, really good stuff uh, that he that he has questions from coaches at different levels and myself as well and he goes into the detail of how he works through those processes so if you haven't checked out the presentation have a listen to this and then check it out highly recommend it the detail that he goes through in not just how he looks at it but also incorporating data in his theory and his decision making is is absolutely fantastic so hope you enjoy this let me know what you think at gary kernine on instagram at gary kernine on twitter when you're on the modern soccer coach website there is loads and loads of stuff please check it out if you want to help support us go to the store it really helps when people purchase uh, books or webinars helps us continue the free content so appreciate you listening appreciate the support here is istvan enjoy you you mentioned there about the defenders on the post aren't the best use of defenders. I've I've wondered that for a long time. I've always been a fan of it, and I've always wondered why people don't do it. And you've explained it really well. Um, would you argue the same if you had a goalkeeper that you were not confident in? Would you still put players away? I believe that uh, in lot of cases, because uh, goalkeepers are trained in a way that they got used to the player uh, at the post, they need it. So it might be a little bit tough to change that, but uh, I believe you might take it. Um, there is a statistics uh, done, I believe, two or three years ago that the team who has uh, or who have players at both posts concede the most goals. So it's statistically, statistically proven that it's not worth it. So I believe in numbers, I believe in statistics. So this is also a reason to avoid that. You might uh, have uh, a modern post player concept. Uh, some of our national team uh, uses, uses that, which is basically, uh, this is basically where uh if if uh, the the ball arrives over the defender who is set at the first post he has to stay in position although if the ball arrives at the near side 
he has to move out because it's his responsibility. So basically it's an option oriented role. It's a, the way we call it, it's the modern post player. So if it goes ahead or goes across to the center or far side, it stays in position. But if it uh, arrives to the near side, it's his responsibility to go out for that, which is kind of a more uh, modern way to both have protection at the post and not have. So this is a possible solution to have in between. Uh, what the tendency shows from the best teams who concede the last shots and last goals from defensive corners is that they rarely, very rarely use any players at the post. And this is how I got to the consequence that it does not worth it, that it's not an optimal uh, situation possibly. Mm, fantastic. A couple of people have asked, and I've, I've wondered this myself, training, is, have you any insights on what, is it better to just do one block of session before it traditionally, or is it better to do a little bit throughout the week, or what's your thoughts on that? Basically, what I have experienced personally is that we always uh, trained it before the game. Sometimes in the shadow approach with passive defenders or without defenders at all. I think it might be okay for some patterns, and especially in a, if, if you put it into the regeneration block or in a day where it's kind of low intensity and you don't want to overload players and you don't want to, to, and you want to avoid any possible injuries coming from that. But I believe uh, the best way, especially from a defensive point of view, is to always, uh, always practice against active attackers where the defensive side does not know what is going to happen, does not know the exact routine. So I believe defensively is the only way to, to practice it correctly. In, uh, in the offensive way, you might use the shadow approach. I'm not really the fan of it because on the long term, it does not allow offensive players to adjust what um, the defensive side is doing, but it might be more beneficial for some some cases but i'm uh, i'm i'm a big fan of using situational drills possibly or to to put it the set pieces into small to small games where you have for example eight against eight or 11 against 11 if you have the opportunity to do that you you have enough players so there you can also uh train the second ball situations correctly so you have the transition phases uh, sometimes how we did it is that the game always started with a corner or a free kick and the play uh, came from this situation and uh, this i believe is a great way to to train it in a in a in a game realistic way i believe it's very important uh, even though it sometimes be a pattern i believe you have to you have to offer offer realistic ways for the the attackers to to be able to adjust the situation do you think there's any value in isolating the delivery like working on like taking a player out and a and hundred balls of getting that right it might be sometimes i believe uh, i have heard that uh, some teams do that and some some specific players until uh, the other part of the team does the warm-ups or something like that. They only 
do the kicking part or the kicking warm-up so i believe it might be it might be a good way but i always like to put it into context and to have the whole team together and the whole movement together i believe it might be a good way for a plus work or for some players to to stay out after the training to, to practice that such as uh, free kicks or penalties but I believe uh, this would that would be the most optimal to have the whole thing together, but I think that that might be practiced alone as well. This is a good one. Uh, you're you're playing against a team that's going to have blockers, and you're defending a corner. How do you deal with blockers without fouling them? So I have uh, an opponent who is using defensive blockers. And a zonal, and uh, how do I approach that uh, situation? Uh, basically, what you have to see is that there are a lot of different ways to use blockers. There are teams who have only two, three, or four. This is very important to know because against two or three, you might be able to create a free man if you have four players to arrive from depth, and you might have a player who is going to be untouched. Uh, it's also important to know if the blockers are fully man-oriented or zonal-oriented because Liverpool, the way Liverpool do it is that they are zonal-oriented. They block whoever comes into that zone, but Leipzig does man-orientation and also Manchester City does man-orientation. And if you know these behaviors and you know these tendencies, you can come up with, with great solutions against that. So this is how I would approach uh, that. And... If I have an opponent like that, I would collect uh, ideas and I would collect clips from other teams. Uh, this is how I usually approach this. And uh, if I see an opponent playing in a specific system, I, I look for solutions and I send it to the coaching staff, like um, eight or 10 ideas for corners, eight or 10 ideas for free kicks, and that we'll, uh, we will narrow it down and we will have the final solutions. So this is how I would approach it. Brilliant. A significant, Andy has asked, a significant goal, the amount of goals are scored from corners, free kicks. How do you make practice effective so that players do not get bored? Well, this is. I believe that would be a great way to build it into the games itself, because then it's not going to be that uh, repetitive and that's not going to be that... Uh, uh, low intensity, where you might lose focus or you might lose concentration from the players. I believe it's very important to put it into the games. It would be a much better way uh, to to use this. And also, I believe that you should not have a lot of, uh, lot of instructions outside to not lose time and to keep the intensity as high as possible as you can. Because sometimes I, I, I experienced that we had uh, routine and then uh, we had a second one and before we had like five minutes where the the head coach showed or told players what is going to be the next routine which is I agree might be very boring so you might have the plans before the training and uh, it, this could lead to more situations with, which could lead to better analysis afterwards because you have more situations and you will be able to see more tendencies or more mistakes what you can what you can uh, correct afterwards
Yeah, I, I really like that comment that you had. Uh, a match plan's consciousness usually drops within the game. So something like that would be you're not stopping every set piece. You're trying to coach it in the flow of the game and trying to help players deal with the, the, the different nature of it. Is that one way of doing that? Maybe. And uh, what, what I basically have in experience uh, or uh, my previous uh, coach had a system where we had number one, number two, number three uh, variation, which was starting uh, again from for the second half. So we basically have a, had a system and uh, all players knew what to do. Although I believe that if the opponent arrives with six, uh, with, with five before the game or or what we saw we have a plan for that although if they want to be more uh, offensive during the game and they are going to arrive with six and in a different staggering for example we might not have the solutions for that so these small changes inside the game might be a very good way to 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 attack a specific defensive structure because they a lot of time lack the the adjustment to 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 correct or to to um, adapt to the oppositional system and they might get caught uh, with any specific mistake. So this is what I meant that you might not want to lose all the best routines you have in the first thirty minutes because the opposition is usually expects that. And you might uh, might might use them later in the game, where they lack focus, maybe concentration as well, but more like the consciousness to know what to expect and what to, what to do. So, I think it's very undervalued, and this is very rare to see. I I'm, I believe I'm yet to see any teams to exploit that, but I see a huge uh, strategic potential in that. Yeah, just along that, Alan has asked about. Any suggestions on hiding signals so that the opponents aren't aware and you don't compromise the timing of the runs? Is there a way to do that? I believe you might might have small, uh, maybe some codes, not like in NFL where they have uh, where they have the quarterbacks uh, audible options before and he sets what what is the change, but you might have uh not not like not like the arm signals because i believe it's easy to read but you might create differentiation between the setups for example if you have two in front of the goalkeeper it will be a different situation or where you have players starting from outside the box it might be a situation again so you might might lose uh might you, it, it might prevent uh, the readable signs. Of course, you can use the arm signal uh, if you use it uh, in every game because then it's not going to be easy to read. But because sometimes you can give a sign uh, when to start with the arm because the timing is also very important. And if you use it in every game, it's not going to be something uh, which is a plus or extra information for the defensive team. So this might be a great solution for that. But I would go, if you have a system, to have the first, third, first second, or third, or fourth variation, uh, it, might be, it might be a solution for that, or the setup itself, 
from where everyone knows what is going to happen. Okay, last two. Uh, what keys do you have for goalkeepers coming out to claiming balls versus staying on their line? Any advice on that? Ooh, that's a tough one. I always say that I'm not an expert in goalkeepers, so I, I, I tend to leave this for the goalkeepers, the, the goalkeeping coach, because he knows it much, much, much better than me, and I'm, I'm usually uh, avoiding this to say anything. So my solution is probably a big issue here, and I don't want to take it because, because I, I, I know that I might not be the best one to answer this because I'm not a goalkeeping coach and I, I don't watch goalkeepers' movement that much, to be honest, uh, although it's very important. What is a great solution for that is in every situation, if the attacker are trying is trying to block the goalkeeper's movement by standing ahead, if you put a plus defender to that zone, it might block the goalkeeper's movement even more. So a good defensive solution for that is, is to, to leave just the attacker there because you he might not be as important uh, in a system in the system wise and uh, by adjusting to the by adjusting to the in swing or out swing if it's an out swing and you set diagonally outside you basically leave a huge space open for the goalkeeper inside the six yard box to to move around as as uh, the way he would like to and if it's an in swing you drop a bit deeper and uh, then you have the cover inside the six yard box better. So it might uh, prevent the goalkeeper's movement, which might be not necessary at all. So I think adjusting to the, to the, to the ball's direction or the ball's angle is very important to, to open up the, the space for the goalkeeper because I believe it's an individual tendency as well because some keepers like to move out, some not but you have to open up the opportunity to move out or to, to stay in position. So that, that would be my approach. But again, I'm not a, an expert in that, so I don't want to, to say anything stupid here. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Last one. Um, someone's asked, if is there, a, is there a specific coach, a head coach or a staff that you think that, that you love watching set pieces or that, that inspires you with some ideas? Um, I really like to watch Liverpool a lot because they have a lot of good conscious routines uh, which you can see that they, they train a lot. I also I also like uh, to watch Frankfurt, um, Freiburg have good ones, Augsburg have good ones from, from Premier League also, Leicester have good ones. Uh, from Italy, I like to check uh, Lazio, who have good ones. Mm, I like to watch uh, the Danish or the Northern Leagues because they have a lot of good uh, routines, like Mikiland, of course, Alborg, Aarhus, um, mostly from Danish League. Um, I also like to see Russian League because they there are a lot of teams who work on set pieces uh, in a really interesting way, I believe. Uh, for example, Rubin Kazan from season 17 and uh, 18, eight, 
was, it was really important, really interesting, and they they had a really good uh, second ball play after the second balls. So I like to check it from who scored. You might know the website, and where I check how many set piece goals did a specific team score, and then I check because if they scored a lot, I tend to believe that they have good uh, movements. Sometimes it, it they have, sometimes not. But that gives gives me the guideline to check to check teams. So I I really try to uh, maintain my focus as wide as possible. So so but but obviously there are teams who who are regularly really good in in creating set piece routines. So this is my, my thought process in this basically. Fantastic, fantastic. Istvan, thank you so much. The, the detail has been phenomenal. Um, we really appreciate your time and, and the presentation was unbelievable. So thank you so much. If, um, the coaches have loved it. There's been a great response to this on the, on the chat. I uh, can't, can't thank you enough. Glad to know. And thank you for inviting. It was really good and interesting for me to... to I already had this presentation in, in Hungarian, but it was a bit different and a bit tougher in English, but it was, it was really good. So I... I enjoyed it really much. So thank you again. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we'll keep in touch. Hopefully we'll see you on the field again very soon. And I'll get you the link as well uh, when we'll get the replay up in the next day or so. And um, we'll keep in touch. All Thanks the best. Again. All the best. All the thank best. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, Head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.